I said, can you come up and give me a couple words here? And Stuart, last week was really something special for us. And a bunch of you were here at various, we had five different meetings last week, three public services and two long, like three-hour leadership meetings. And uh, Chris Reed came and and the Lord used him in a very, very dramatic way. And uh, most of you kind of got the feel for it because many of you were here, but some of those that are just joining us are kind of hearing whispers like, what happened, what happened, what happened? And so I just ever so slightly, I mean a little bit, just what you, last week was special, wasn't it? I think it was a very remarkable time. I've never seen anything like that in terms of a ministry setting where there were words of knowledge with detail and words and family and calling people on the telephone and, and, uh, and things of that nature. So a lot, a lot happened. You know, absolutely. You know, the, 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 there's just a couple of things that just strike me about this weekend. And that is that, you know, it's so true when John says what the angel told John that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, that as Chris was, was ministering with such precision and humility and unction, um, and I've seen a few guys over the years do the, do the detail thing, but there was a, there was an unction that came with it where the entire time in my own heart, I just couldn't but help to love and worship Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and just going, Lord, this is how you see your people and just being provoked and challenging. Lord, I want to see people that way. I'm not talking about the information, but just in terms of the Lord's heart. And so there was a real powerful spirit and an authority on Chris's life as he was ministering prophetically. It was quite remarkable. Yeah. One of the things that struck me, and I'm sure many of you felt a similar way was seeing the Lord speak over our friends, those that we knew in the spiritual family and and the details and their children's names and what so struck me was this idea that Jesus is a better friend to my friends than I am the amount of information he knows but it wasn't like a a pain point it was a celebration point to celebrate and and then secondly there's such an importance of stewarding the words that the Lord speaks to us when you get a word whether it was you were ministered to that weekend or not or, or previous times in your life that we take those words and we cherish them before the Lord. You know, Mary, it says that when after she has the encounter with the angel Gabriel, it says that she cherished those things in her heart and, and she took them seriously. And I've taken some words and I took a word that that Chris had given me in, an, in another meeting, not a public meeting. And I began to write it down and extract just different things that the Lord was saying and I had about five points that I could remember just from that day. But when I went back and really began to look at it, I came away, and I'm not saying this as a whatever point, just as a point to us of stewardship. I came away with 60 data points that I'm supposed to take before the Lord in prayer that, that the Lord had had given. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you have words in your past. You have an audio recording saved on your phone. Or you have dreams. There's testimonies of dreams experienced. Exploding in our midst right now, the dream life. And if you begin to write down your dreams and we begin as a people to not just celebrate the prophetic and not just pray for the prophetic, but actually steward it, actually take it before the Lord in prayer and actually begin to cherish the things that the Lord has given us individually and corporately, the Lord is going to increase this at an exponential rate. And so I just want to put that before us as a family. 
I love what you said. I was so touched by the way my friends were touched. Yeah. I mean, I saw people I really love get touched. Yeah. I mean, he didn't give me a word, some little Leroy word or something. You know, he oh, he gave you he a word. He gave you a word. Oh, he gave oh, you a word. Oh, it wasn't just a word. It was oh, a promise. Yeah, it came with the joy of the Lord, Unconditional too. promise. <laughs> I mean, straight up. Wait, yeah. We're moving on. No, we actually like to expound yeah. upon how yeah. we were ministered oh, by you getting ministered goodness. to. There was a yeah, it was remarkable. <laughs> I mean, it's on my playlist on my iPhone, actually. Wait. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have the nerve to call this a spirit of joy on you guys, but whatever it is. Oh, well, well, we, I have we, some we, things we, I'd like to we, say. Yeah, we will have the nerve for you. Ushers, <laughs> would you please come forward? Would some ushers come up here quickly? Strong ones. <laughs> No, actually, the only thing I want to say was, you know, Isaac said that, um, you know, <laughs> you know, Isaac said that, you know, if you were ministered to or not ministered to, that was probably the biggest thing that I walked away with was that even if I wasn't ministered to, I was still ministered to because our friends because were our friends were being ministered to. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Well, tonight, what I want to do is I just want to tell some stories that are, that I'm drawing some perspective about last weekend and what season we are in a spiritual family. And the best way is just tell some stories that I am interpreting this hour through. And the thing, uh, I really love about uh, Chris is that I'm very aware that he is a down payment of what the Lord's going to be doing with many young people. I mean, some, some of us old guys too, but many young people. I remember in the 80s, Bob Jones and Paul Kane had this prophetic gifting that most people would say was an unusual level of prophetic accuracy, and it really was. They were two of the most, uh, I don't know what the words is, but a lot of folks around the world looked at them and said, there's not very many people operating in that level of uh, prophetic revelation, but both of them insisted, I mean, without false humility, we are down payment. There is coming a new generation of young people, and they're going to operate in a spirit of revelation far beyond us. We go, oh, that's so humble for you guys to say that. They said, no, this is really real. And as I was t uh, uh, talking to Chris about his story, when he was 25 years old, he's 36 now, it all started. He's, you know, he was a pastor and just a little congregation and just kind of going, loving the Lord since his youth. But suddenly the Lord began to touch him and it was kind of awkward for him to even understand what was happening. And you'd go on YouTube and hear his story. But for about a year, he said, I'd be in bed at night, not every night, but sometimes two or three nights in a row, sometimes a few weeks and nothing happened. But the Spirit of the Lord had rested on me and I didn't know what was happening. And then all of a sudden, after a year of that, not that, don't think that's the way forward. My point is, it wasn't happening before that, and then suddenly, it began to increase. So my point being, there's a lot of folks that are 25 years old, there's a lot of folks 50 years old, it's not happened, but it doesn't happen until it starts happening, and all of a sudden you go, wait, it's not me, I didn't earn it, it wasn't my intense devotion. I mean, our devotion matters, but this is bigger than our devotion. And I just heard over and over in the 80s, there's coming a time, there's a young adult generation, and it's going to be normal for multitudes of them to be moving in words of knowledge and revelation. So when I look at Chris, I don't go, wow, you're amazing. And I think he is amazing because of his humility, not because of his gifting. It's his humility. 
And uh, but when I look, I go, Lord, I heard about this, and this is going to be happening more and more and more, and so I celebrate this. So I, I met. I just think a little bit about Chris, uh, just to kind of get in context. I just met him recently, and at the it was in February at the Rick Joiner Roundtable, February 20, 21, 22, 23. Uh, so some weeks ago, and. Rick Joyner comes to me, and many of you know Rick's name. He's one of my dearest friends over 30, probably 40 years by now, since late 80s, however long that is. And uh, Rick said, hey, I got some young guy that I want you to meet. And I said, cool, at our roundtable, because he has this annual roundtable. Typically 20 or 30 leaders come, the same ones every year. He goes, he's a new guy. He goes, he has a depth of revelation that's actually like Paul Kane. I said, Rick, stop. I've never seen anything like the ministry of Paul Cain in words of knowledge. And I said, I, I don't know. I go, that's a big word, but Rick is zero hype, you know. And I went, what did you say? He goes, I'm telling you, it's real. And and he says, he's half my age, but he said this like three times, but has twice my discernment and humility or something, or wisdom or something. I can't remember. And I thought, ha, ha, ha. And so I meet him, and he sat around the table talking to these guys, and I'm going, what? What? But the thing I came back to our team, I just said, I met this guy. I didn't want to say Paul Kane. I didn't want to introduce him that way. That's why for the couple weeks ahead of time, I said, he's got a great message on the fear of God. I want to be with people that care about the fear of the Lord. Now, if they care about the fear of the Lord, then lots of other things can work. And But I saw this in, in, in uh, at Rick's place over in North Carolina and at Charlotte. And so... I thought, huh. And I said, come. I said, no pressure. I'm not going to present you that way at all. I just want you to teach on the fear of God. And whatever happens, happens. But it just so happened that many things came together for us in terms of our purpose, bigger than him. So it's much bigger than him. But uh, but he's a down payment of what's coming. And that's going to be happening in the midst of a number of your lives and your children and your grandchildren. I mean, this is going to be the way forward. And, the closer we get to the return of the Lord, we're going to see more and more of this. We, for those of you, the reason I wanted uh, Isaac and Stuart to say a word or two, because some that are tuning in, they were not here. Those of you that were here, you saw it, so I didn't want to spend time ta- telling you about it. But it was, uh, I probably, I don't know, I don't count numbers like this, but saw him probably call out a 100 people. That's a, I don't know if that's the actual number, with such detail about their lives. And, and it was just, it was quite remarkable, but I kept saying, Lord, this is where this thing is going. There's going to be thousands of them doing this, thousands of your servants, and many of you young people. And again, before that year when he's 25, it started touching him and this strange sovereign touching. It wasn't happening before. It started happening, and you can again hear the testimony. The reason you you might be encouraged because you don't know what's gonna what might be happening in your life this time next year or the year after year after. But like Dan said, Dan Bohai, don't wear another man's armor or another woman's armor. Be who you are. I don't want to be this guy or that guy. I want to answer to the Lord for who I am because the Lord is orchestrating a global symphony, uh, an international family of affection is what he told me years ago, but a global symphony. We've all got to play our instrument. We don't all want to play the same instrument. So we can be wowed by what the Lord does in somebody, but we're understanding that the master you know, uh, the master musician, so to speak, the Lord Jesus, he's or- the orchestration of this whole 
global symphony. And that's what we're tugged, uh, plugged in. And I go, Lord, if about a million more people start moving in this kind of thing in the next five or ten years, I mean, then, well, we know what's going to happen. I mean, we, we know there's going to be a, a billion soul harvest coming in. Well, how do I've been, I've been asked for the last seven days, what's the takeaway points? And the takeaway points, Roman number one here, I put three. There's this time next year, we'll have 25 takeaway points. There's about 10 right now. But I just picked three. There's a, really about 10, but a year from now and two years from now, we're going to see a lot more. And it's not going to be about a person's gifting. It's going to be about a season we're in and a storyline that's been unfolding. I mean, this storyline actually started in the human sense. Uh, with Bob Jones and that death encounter he had on August 8th, 1975. So however many years 1975 was, that's the first time in anyone I know about connected with this particular facet of the end time young adult movement. Because there's many movements in the earth. And many of them are going to cross-pollinate connect with each other. But, but this particular one which is involves the people in Kansas City and many of the of the IHOP family. There's more IHOP family that doesn't live in Kansas City. They live somewhere else, but they're still part of the family. And so this part of the end time young adult worship and prayer and, you know, evangelistic church planning started literally in, in, in August 8th, 1975, when Bob Jones had that encounter and he stood before the Lord and the Lord sent him back from death and said, there's going to be a young adult movement come out of the city. It's going to touch the ends of the earth. But that kind of storyline is unfolding around the earth. And I love those stories. And I want to hear lots of people's stories. But I love our story. And I say, thank you, Lord. You've been so intentional about this. So intentional. So I'm going to pull a few things out here. Point number one, paragraph A. It was clear to us literally last Friday, April 9th, last Friday. Now, some of you, uh, you'll hear this as I share tonight, and you'll go, I don't get the dates. I don't get the stories. And I understand that. If I was in row 10 and you were telling me these stories, I might go like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And I get that. But some of you, as I talk about April 9th and April 18th, those are just two days to remember. I'm going to mention them a couple times. The Lord highlighted them. A year and two from now, you'll look back and you'll even look at this little one-page handout and see these dates and these names. You're going to go, oh. Oh, it makes more sense now. So that's why I like to record it and get it down. Not because everyone needs to get it tonight. But as it unfolds, I've been in this for some years now. And often it's five and ten years later, the dots connect. I go, are you kidding? Why didn't I connect those dots back then? And the Lord's always connecting dots and the story's unfolding. But we are entering, and I believe as of last Friday, literally we're entering in a new season a season with this particular people that is, again, with people all over the earth. We've had over 20,000 people full-time here and many friends that were never full-time here. And we're all in the same stream together. And there's many streams like this that we're friends with. But since 1975, how many years is that real quick? And that's how 1975 46 years ago, yes. 46 years ago. I'm looking back after 46 years hearing the story and I'm going, this is really Lord, you've really made a point to make a story for us. And when I first met Bob Jones 38 years ago, he told me, he said, you're going to be one of the oldest men in this movement. 
And again, there's going to be a number of movements. And we're all going to be cross-pollinating and be friends and celebrating each other. He says, you're going to be one of the oldest people. He goes, Bob says, I'll be with the Lord. He goes, but it will really be your children and even your grandchildren. Your grandchildren will be in their strength when this unfolds. I'm thinking, well, my children are age two and four. I haven't thought much about grandchildren for a while. They'll be in their strength. Are you kidding? Because, yeah, they will be in their maturity and in their strength, your grandchildren, when these things come to fullness. And he goes, you'll be an elderly man. And I'm 65 now, and I don't know what elderly is, but I know that we're entering in, after 46 years of this particular storyline, Friday was a new season. That's a big statement to say that. And I'm not going to super develop that right now, but I just want you going, huh, really? We'll see. That's fair, too. You can do. We'll see. I've done plenty of we'll see throughout the last 38 years. And I'm more shocked than ever when the, when many things I did not expect happened. So when someone goes, I don't buy it, I go, I don't, I don't even mind. I get it. I get not buying it. You're talking to the right guy. Just keep your heart in conversation with the Lord. Just let it unfold. Because the good thing about truth is truth can be scrutinized and it's never hurt when it's scrutinized. Truth is only strengthened. And uh, so just let it unfold. But last Friday, April 9th, 2021, I'm just telling you right now, we can talk about this in the weeks and months to come. It, it was a new day for us. Paragraph B, we want to be intentional, and I'm going to develop this a little bit. This is really important, paragraph B, about recognizing our sovereign alignment. Sovereign means God set it up with other movements and other streams. Now, the Lord has established in, in my 38 years here in Kansas City, when I first met Bob and then Paul Kane and then the others, I, I have, the Lord has connected me to a number of streams in the body of Christ that are not us and we're not them, but they love us and we love them and we partner at a certain level. And it's not about look at a guy with a big ministry and say, hey, I better go get his number and network with him. If I invite him to my big conference, he'll invite me to his. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sovereign connections. But I've seen over the years when sovereign connections were highlighted by the Lord, we got to be intentional about celebrating them and leaning into them. We, they don't just take care of themselves because we're humans. And if we don't, if we don't identify it and invest in it, it doesn't go where it needs to go. And I've seen a number, a few of those sovereign connections break down over time. Because they were not intentionally cultivated. So after Monday, after this week, I go, Lord, I'm going to be very intentional about connecting with sovereign alignment with other ministries and reconnecting in a deep way with a number that have been in our midst in the past. And somebody, I have the word some. Somebody goes, some? Well, we've had like 22,000 full-time people, probably not everybody, but... Some are leaders, some are not leaders, some are here, and some are there. And the Lord's made it really clear to me there's a homecoming in the Spirit that He's orchestrating in our little world, but He's doing it in, in other streams as well. And some of that homecoming in the Spirit, people will be geographically reconnected, and others, they'll stay in their city or their nation, but the family connection will get, will get strengthened, and it'll be nurtured. And so it'll be a homecoming relationally, though not geographically, but they'll be geographically. So I want to say that I believe that as of last week, 
We're taking the convergence that happened in 2018. I believe it's going to be the next stage of the convergence. And some of you don't know what I mean by that. And But again, we'll break it down little by little as we go. Paragraph C, a third takeaway point. Again, there's about 10 right now that I could probably, uh, if I really pressed in, 8 or 9 or 10 real takeaway points and probably 25 a year from today because they just keep landing. Things keep unfolding. I believe it's this, it's this Luke 4.18, and we'll get there in a minute. In Luke 4.18, you know, that's the passage where Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, and to restore, and to heal, and to release, and all these glorious words. But the phrase, actually there's 12 phrases. 12 phrases in Luke 4.18, Jesus quotes Isaiah 61, and if you go back to the verse that he was quoting, Isaiah 61, there's 12 different activity of the Holy Spirit, 12 categories that the Messiah would do. And when Jesus came into Nazareth and said, Luke 4.18, he only quoted a few of those 12. But a we get it, all 12 of them are in the conversation with the Lord. And I look at those 12, I mean, they're fantastic. They're bigger than our purpose tonight to break them all down. But I look at one of them really jumped off the page, and the Lord says, I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. And the brokenhearted, some folks think of the brokenhearted, well, they're they're uh, addicted to this or they're stuck in that. And undoubtedly, there's that dimension. But the brokenhearted are mostly, not only, but mostly relationships that are broken in families, friendships. I don't think there's anything more painful in the human experience, and maybe there is, but I don't think so, than the pain of isolation. I don't think there's anything more painful than the feeling of rejection, even if it's not real, even if it's part real. The feeling of abandonment. Those are all really the different facets of the the same diamond. You look at it. He says, I'm going to heal that. And I'm going to release the Luke 4.18 justice dynamic, but in a family spirit. I'm not just going to use people to help the oppressed get liberated. I'm going to heal their sense of abandonment and rejection. Many believers in this room, in that room, and all the ministries of the earth, they're sitting there and they go, I just don't feel connected. I just feel alone. I feel like it's getting worse and worse. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to heal that. Watch, wait and see. And the Lord did something really sovereign to us in the convergence in 2018. But it's only the beginning of the beginning. And he's doing that all over Asia and many other places as well. And, but uh, there is a broken-hearted Luke 4.18, which again is quoting Isaiah 61. That's the real passage. The full passage is Isaiah 61. But Luke 4.18 was really highlighted by the Lord to us. Okay, look at Roman numeral 2. So last Friday... Okay, Chris comes. Now, I heard this Rick Joyner. He operates in the same level of Paul Cade. I go, oh, that's, that's a little intense, Rick. I mean, come on, man. And then I met uh, Chris at Rick's place in February 20, 21 and 22 with Dean. We were there together, and Diane was there. We got to meet him a little bit. And uh, I went up to him. I said, hi, how you doing? And I said, uh, I didn't know anything about him. And I said, I just wanted to know if he even had a frame of reference for anything that I was going to talk to him about. And I go, have you ever heard of Paul Cain? And he said, well, actually, the last year of Paul Cain's life, 
we had this incredibly close friendship. And I go, really? That, that surprised me because I wasn't, I wasn't in that much communication with Paul a little bit his last year. I walked with him for like 30 plus years, but that last year, not so much. I was not in that much communication a little bit. We had a few uh, meals together and stuff. And I said, really? He goes, I probably talk to him every week on the phone. Now I know Paul Kane almost as good as anybody. There's a few that might be on the list more than me. I go, Paul Kane does not talk on the telephone. You cannot be telling me the truth. <laughs> There's no way you talk to him every week or whatever the number is. He didn't stress every. And I figured out and found out it's actually true. And I thought, wow, you have a real special connection to him. And that touched me that him and Paul were that close. Because I was so close to Paul and our purpose was so close and, and together in the Holy Spirit. And so I'm looking at this kid, 36 years old, and I'm thinking, you know, there's, I'm, Lord, because of the, the way that Paul and Bob were established in this purpose of this global young adult movement, again, they ministered to other streams, but they had a particular loyalty and focus and commitment or whatever the word is, and focus even on this stream. And so I said, wow. And I said, that, that's, that touches me. And so, but I didn't want to overly tell, introduce him that way or tell all of our leaders. A few of our leaders, I said, I go, this could be real intense or I don't know. I'm not going to make anything happen. Either is or isn't because you can't make things happen that aren't supposed to happen. So he comes and uh, stays at John Chisholm's house on Thursday night. He gets in and he has a dinner with John and a few of them meet and, and he gets in, you know, and Friday morning, nine o'clock. Uh, April 9th, last Friday, uh, is our first meeting. Maybe 10 or 15 people in the room, a handful of the Zoom call. And I said, tell us your story. Just tell us your story. And he goes, well, before I tell you my story, he did tell us a little bit about that year when he was 25 years, I mean, 11 years ago when he was 25 years old where the Spirit started surprising him and resting on him and kind of perplexed him and and again, I love stories like that because that, you don't have to have that to happen, but you never know when that might start happening. Because I've read a lot of biographies. Some people get touched by the Lord in that way when they're in their sixties, some in their twenties, some in their teens. You just don't know. You don't know. Some will be in their eighties and it'll be a whole new decade ahead of them in the spirit. The Lord, he doesn't have one way, and he won't let anybody get the corner market on how he does it. So you always stay just, okay, okay, because at the end of the day, it's little weak and broken people like us that God uses. There's no super saints. We're all folk. And there's one trophy case in heaven. We all know that. And it's it's good that we celebrate and we're wowed by what God's doing in others. But at the end of the day, we're just folk together rejoicing that the Lord's helping us. And so that's the storyline. And so he comes and sits down and he goes, he goes, I'm going to tell you something really strange, really strange. This is how our day starts. Paragraph A. He goes, I've, I've time stamped this. And he showed it to me on his phone and it says November 20th. He says, I got this word that when Prince Philip in Britain, when he dies, it's a timing indicator for the kingdom. There, He goes, I don't know how much of the kingdom, but it's going to be a shift, a dramatic shift on the day he dies. He goes, I don't really know what that means. He goes, then the Lord gave me this riddle right here in paragraph A here. He goes, when the prince will pass, it will be 418 at last. He goes, weird? 
I'm looking at him because 418 means a lot to me. But he doesn't know that. I go, and I look at the time stamp and I go, okay. He said, when the prince will pass, it will be 418 at last. You get it? I go, yeah. Oh, no, I mean, it registers, but it probably is a lot I'm not getting. And so he asked us if it meant anything to us. And some amazing things happened with Daniel Lim just the week earlier with Luke 418. Because it's Luke 418. That's what 418 is. But Chris didn't know that. Now we'll go to paragraph B. I'm going to have to give you about a three-minute background to explain why 418 is so important for this hour in history in our sphere of the kingdom. Again, it might be for other streams and ministries as well. I don't know, but I know for us for sure. Paragraph B. Now, if you don't know this story, paragraph B here, this is going to, you're going to go, what? But this is quite a story. Paul Cain's mother, her name was Anna Cain. The Lord promised her in the 1920s that she would have a son. She had a daughter. She, you're going to have a son. She's a very prophetic woman in the 19, in the teens and the 20s. A Pentecostal woman and, her, and the Lord spoke and she had an incredible history of accurate prophetic words before Paul Cain was born. The Lord says, you're going to have a son and I'm going to use him. Good. Catch this. Five miscarriages in a row over the next Eight or ten years. Five miscarriages. The reason I'm telling you this a little bit, because when you think it's the 11th hour and it's over, it's not over. When it looks over, it's not over. Finally, at 45 years old, she gets pregnant. Like, okay. Okay, I guess that's half the age of Sarah and Abraham. Well, she's eight months pregnant. But her body is in big trouble. Now, this is verified on, on medical documents. She had four terminal diseases. Eight months pregnant, 45 years old, but she's got her son. <laughs> but the doctor, a, uh, well, I mean, a, a doctor of great, a high reputation, and this is documented in various places. I mean, all the details are, you get it on the internet and stuff. He said, woman, uh, not woman, uh, that's, New King James or something. <laughs> I'm getting a little carried away here. <laughs> Woman, what have I done? <laughs> he said, you need to go home and die. You're never going to make it through this last eight, the eighth month. You're not going to make it. You have too many things, and I have them written down here. Tuberculosis, heart disease. Both breasts were destroyed with cancer. Three tumors in her womb. He said, you're going to die. So she goes home, heartbroken, 45 years old. Lord, you promised, you promised. I'm not going to make it through the month. Midnight, the angel of the Lord appears to her and says, daughter, be of good cheer. You'll live and not die. And the angel of the Lord touches her. She's instantly healed of everything. And the Lord, tell, the angel of the Lord tells her, you're going to have a son named Paul, and he's going to go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit, et cetera, et cetera. Again, you can get a lot more of this on the Internet. There's quite a few people who tell the stories of it. That's not my point to tell his whole story. It's to create a context for the story of what happened last Friday. Well, she got healed. Paul used to love to say this. She got healed at age 45. She got so healed that she lived to be 105. When she was 100... 
and Paul, he, he's adamant about this. He goes, she went six, clear to the last couple of years, the next 60 years, never went to a doctor once, perfect eyesight, never a sick day in her, in her for the next near 60 years. It's like that angel touched her and everything got made new. You know, this organ, that organ, I, everything was rejuvenated. And when she's 100 years old, they said, different ones said, she never had a day of sickness. Paragraph C. Now we're tuning into the story that I want to tell you that has relevance to us from last Friday. So Paul's, uh, Paul, uh, his mother tells him, Paul, you know, she's in her 90s now, 96, 98, 100, 102, 104. And she's told him for some many years, right before I die, I'm going to have one of the most significant words from God for your life. And he said, well, mom's give it to me now, you know. She goes, no, no, no. The Lord said he will give it to me because I don't think she had it. So she wasn't being secretive. She goes, I don't have it, but he's promised me. I would give it to you, and it would impact your ministry, and it would impact the people that you're impacting. He goes, well, tell me, pray, Mom. You got me, because Paul had such a, a gift of revelation, but told his mother, just get it now. Lord, would give it to her. Well, it's February 1990. She's going on near 105 years old. She doesn't have the word, but she becomes really sick, and she goes into a coma. So she's not conscious. She's uh, comatose. So bear almost never wake up for like two months, maybe three months. I don't know the exact number. Because I was close to Paul at that time. And Paul is, well, he loved his mother so much. But he also wanted to get this word that she called one of the most significant words you'll ever receive in your life. And he's like, well, if there's anybody I trust prophetically, Paul would say it's my mom. Because I never saw her miss it. And so... At this point in time, Paul Kane is, is, uh, really established in the Vineyard Church and, and some of, uh, most of you that are a little older, you know the Vineyard Church. Those of you that are younger, maybe you don't. But, uh, the leader of the Vineyard Church was John Wimber. He went to be with the Lord in 1997 and, and he had, uh, you know, there's about 2,500 Vineyard Churches today around the world, a couple hundred thousand members total, that kind of thing. It was a new movement that was birthed in the 80s. And so, me and Paul Kane and some others were connected to the vineyard. And I'll tell you that story in a minute. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so Paul, he, he's moving around the vineyard asking everyone, would you pray for my mother? She has a word for me. And it, a lot of us that loved him, we thought that was, uh, yeah, we'll pray for every prayer meeting here in Kansas City. We prayed for his mom, at least for a few minutes. But a lot of folks were annoyed, but I'm kind of, kind of glad because it made, it was such an issue. Everybody talked about it. Like, why are we praying for a 105 year old lady to be healed, to give a prophecy to the guy that's got the greatest prophetic gift we've ever seen? Why don't we pray for our mother instead of his? I mean, everybody was praying for Paul Cain's, I mean, we were, they were urged to. Some are a little annoyed, a 105 year old lady. To give a prophecy to a guy who's got the strongest prophetic ministry? I don't think so. And there was a lots of hubbub about it for a couple months. So Paul King calls me. I'm here in Kansas City. He's in Dallas where he lives. He goes, Mike, he goes, would you come and be with me in Dallas tomorrow, by tomorrow? My mom's going to die tomorrow. I go, well, she's been comatose for two months. How do you know tomorrow she's going to die? He goes, 
you really need to ask me how I know this. I go, oh yeah, good point. Because his word of knowledge saying, so I tell Diana, I gotta go to Dallas because Paul Cain's mom's gonna die. She goes, how do you know he's gonna die? But anyway, so, so I'm there. I'm thinking, I've never heard a person say when someone's gonna die. You know, that's kind of an odd thing. I don't want to get used to that kind of prophesying. So we're standing there. I'm standing there. There's three of us in the room. Paul, is, I mean, with Anna Kane, 100, near 105 years old. He always counted her nine months in the womb. She's technically 104, but he always said 105. But anyway, so Paul's kneeling down with his ear next to hers, you know, gently crying. She's going, she's going. I'm standing in the room, and there's a medical person. There's three of us in the room. And I don't want to, like, look at them. They're, like, they're having an intimate moment, so I'm just, like, staring at the wall. I mean, it's a very tender, but sad, but, and she comes awake for just a moment. She whispers something in Paul's ear, and then she dies. And I'm looking at the clock, and I see the digital clock, and it's 4.18 in the afternoon. I'm just staring straight at it. And so I, so I catch that. And Paul is so sad. He doesn't come and tell me the word. I think he told Rick Joyner before he told me. I was right there in the house with him. He was so grieving. I, I said, you know, this is the time for me to interview him. And so I just kind of backed away and went in the other room. And so the medical people come in and they said, what time did she die? He goes, I don't know. I go, oh, I'm positive. I was looking at the clock. 418. I was right over bed. So they're at 418. So then a little time passes, and and Paul, you know, tells me the word. He goes, the word she gave me was Luke 4.18. That, Paul, that you would go forth in the spirit of Luke 4.18, but so would the people that the Lord has given you to nurture and to strengthen. And, I mean, in our group, our young adult group that was yet future, that that we talked about that many times, that one day there would be this group, and they would do 24-7 prayer, you know, and, you know, this was a few years before, nine years before IHOP started. So we were just a sign on the wall in 1990, you know, 24-7 prayer with singers and musicians. And people said, what's that? I go, I don't know. It's that. <laughs> I can't figure it out. So, but we talked about that young adult movement. And so Paul knows this word is for that young adult movement, but far beyond us. I mean, this is Jesus in his end time church. I mean, he loves the the billion so harvest that's coming in. He goes, it's Luke 4.18. And I'm going to move in. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. I'm going to move in power. Heal the brokenhearted. And again, you get four or five uh, specifics in Luke 4.18. But you go back to Isaiah 61, the original. There's 12 different dimensions of the activity of the Spirit. And again, this is for another day to break all that down. So I don't even put together it's 4.18 in the afternoon and the verse is 4.18. Neither does he. We think, oh man, Luke 418, so we're announcing it to people all over the vineyard. Luke 418, there's an anointing of the Spirit coming in a greater measure. And we knew it was for then, but we also knew there's going to be a historic, eschatological, end-time move of God. And a billion so harvest, and Luke 418 would be in the center of that, which really would be Isaiah 61. Don't ever forget, Luke 418 is just a down payment of Isaiah 61. That's the big one, verses 1 to 3. So I'm talking to somebody, it's, I think, I don't really remember, to be honest, I think it's a couple months later, or it's a little bit later, I'm at a church, and they said, well, when, when did she die? I said, well, uh, 
Yeah, sometime in April. I said, let me find out. I go, oh, it's April 18th. She goes, oh, so she died at 418, the date, at 418 in the afternoon, and the promise was 418. I said, that is, who picks the verse in the minute they die and they all add up? I mean, it was awesome. I mean, it might seem humorous, but it was really awesome. I go, this is a, I mean, this this is a core promise for what is yet coming. And again, it was happening in the vineyard and other ministries and different streams. But, and I love it. I love the power of God today. I don't want to just wait for tomorrow. I want the power of God today. But I'm very aware that there was a bigger, a global explosion of Luke 418. So paragraph D. Okay, we have uh, Luke 418. And so look at paragraph E. Just a few verses before, it, the Spirit comes on him. The context that the Spirit comes on him, and I don't want to lose this point because this is real special to my heart and to many of you as well. But the Spirit comes on Jesus when he's baptized in Luke three twenty-two, And notice this is the first time where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are openly working together. I mean, they always work together, but it's all in the text right there. You see the Spirit, the Son, and the Father, and they're in this conversation. And the anointing is about Jesus. And it's that event in Luke 3 that Jesus talks about in Luke 4. And so that's the beginning. This is the reason this is critical for our world. Well, others as well, but I'm just wanting to make sure that we're right stewards of what God's telling us. Is that when I look at Luke 4, Isaiah 61, those 12 dimensions, those are the power of God on our physical and emotional life. I mean, healing brokenhearted, healing bodies, opening blind eyes physically as well as emotionally. But there's emotional and physical dynamics of it. But when you go to the original place, Luke 3, where the Spirit came on Jesus, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a hint of the Trinitarian conversation that they have. And so we find in the upper room discourse, which we're going to unpack a little bit. I mean, the reason I say a little bit, because there's so much more than we understand in John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, those five chapters. That is the spiritual dynamics of which we will understand Luke 4, 18 and Isaiah 61, the emotional and physical blessings through that, the spiritual dynamics of John 13 to 17. So Jesus, we get the tip off of the Trinitarian conversation, but it's not till the end of his ministry that he lays it out to them. And it's almost like he was saying, Luke 4, 18 is going to work best through this lens. And again, when you take those 12 things of Luke 4, 18, Isaiah 61, through the lens of the upper room discourse, and then the 150 chapters of Jesus as bridegroom, king, and judge, I mean, we are going to have a feast. We're going to experience stuff that our hearts will be so filled with the love of God. We'll be lovesick worshipers of Jesus. The idea of dying as martyrs will be seen as a privilege. It will be worth it. It will be worth it. And The end-time church is going to be fed on this kind of diet. Well, let's turn to the top of page 2. Now let's got to go back because 
there's some sovereign connection with other ministries that's hinted at here. Well, no, no, not hinted. It's pretty strong. But, I mean, it's bigger than us and the Vineyard Ministries. It's, but I want you to get this because there's some real specific takeaways that we've been operating in a, a bit for 30 years. But the Lord is saying, I want you to know that Luke 4.18 at last has come. You know, because remember last week, Chris sits at the table. He goes, when, when the prince will pass, it will be 4.18 at last. He goes, I don't even know what that means. That's got to mean something. It was crystal clear. And I go, oh, I know. It is a new season. It literally begins on that Friday, on that last Friday. Not that there has to be a day, but sometimes there is a day. And there's so many dimensions to all of this. And my point is to break them all down right now. But one of the key things is the way that God connected the ministry here in Kansas City with the vineyard. The vineyard ministry. Again, some of you have never heard of the vineyard. It's a fellowship of churches. There's about 2,500 churches. They started in the 80s. A couple hundred thousand people are in it. John Wimber was the leader of it. And he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Now, in the 1980s and the 1990s, I'll say this maybe is a little intense statement to say, but I want you to get a sense of it. From where I'm sitting... John Wimber is one of the most influential leaders in the Western world in the body of Christ. He would go to, was that you, John? No, that's good. I heard the amen because he, he was the vineyard pastor. But anyway, uh, like you go to Frankfurt, Germany, 7,000 pastors gathered for four days to listen to it. Went to Melbourne, Australia. I was with him. 7,000 again. Went to London, six or 7,000 pastors. I didn't know anybody where six or 7,000 pastors, city after city, would gather and hear him for four days. I mean, I didn't know anybody, you know, if, I'm, I'm saying this with great respect because I'm a Billy Graham, you know, cheerleader. Billy Graham would go to a city, that you get 7,000 pastors for the lunch, and they would tell about the plan to reach the city, then the meeting's over, you know, and I'm sure it's more than that, but I mean, and that was the most prominent ministry I know, but four days, city after city, and... I go, wow, you know, I mean, I just don't know very many people that had that kind of impact on the body of Christ. So, with that behind, so some of you who've never heard of John Wimber, the vineyard, it is a big story, but that's, the point of our connection is what it means to us today, but it was so impossible for me to connect with him. He was one of the most prominent men, and I was one of the most unknown men, but we're going to be like Great friends, like, right, that makes sense. In other words, there wasn't a chance of that that was going to happen. So 1984, like paragraph 8, Bob comes to me. It's really key. He said, "I he, one of his open vision things, and he goes, I saw there's a ministry about 35 miles southeast of L.A. We'd never heard of the vineyard. I still hadn't at that time. He goes, they have a banner in the spirit over them called uh, called Compassion and Worship. And he says, and they're going to cross-pollinate with us in here in Kansas City. And we have a banner in the spirit over us called prophetic and intercession. I said, a banner in the spirit? I mean, that's, prophet, that's parabolic language. I go, what do you mean, a banner in the spirit? I go, does everybody have a banner in the spirit over them? And I, I don't know what he said. And I, I don't even have an opinion about that. But I said, what do you mean? He goes, they have a, a abundant grace for compassion and worship. 
That's what they, they'll do many things, but they will do those two things with an anointing of grace that's abundant above what's normal. And he goes here in Kansas City, he goes, when it's all said and done, you're going to look back and you're going to find out there's an abundant grace for prophetic and intercession. And some of you know the story in the 80s and the 90s. We had a number of prophetic people here that were, and it was talked about all around the world. It was in, I mean, nearly every Christian magazine in the Western world, they were telling the story, good, bad, or ugly, about the Kansas City prophets. And just for fun, there was no such group. They were just the guys and gals that worked together, but they, there was no such real term like that. But they were talking about, and, and, and he said, well, you wait, one of these days, the intercession grace is going to hit you. Well, I think 22 years later after IHOP, I think the great, the prayer thing hit us, right? Prophetic and prayer. Now, we're not that great at it, but we got an abundance of grace for those two things over the last 38 years. And, and worship, I mean, the vineyard would have compassion and, and, and worship, compassion and worship. He says, you're going to connect. Like, I don't even know what that means. Connect. And what do you mean? Compassion and worship. And so I, paragraph B, about almost four years go by, Bob comes to one of our staff meetings. I'm pastoring the church right here in South Kansas City. And, and he comes with maybe 10 or 20 people at our, our leadership meeting there. And he says, I heard audibly. It's October 87, paragraph B. He goes, John Wimber <clears throat> is going to call you in January. I go, that's about as likely to happen as it's not going to happen. John Wimber is, so many people want his attention all around the world. He doesn't know anything about me. Why would he call this little peewee in Kansas City? He goes, I heard it audibly. He's going to call you, and you're going to connect with him. Good. I love it, Bob. And Bob really had a lot of accurate prophecies, but I thought this one's a little bit out there. So January, paragraph B, Diane says, yeah, she picks the phone up. She goes, who's this? She goes, it's a guy named John Wimber. She doesn't know who he is. And I went, right. It's one of my friends. You know, it's IsaacSlyker.com calling me on the phone. And so I think they're pulling my leg because they were in the meeting and they're going to tease me. I go, hi, John. How you doing, nobody? Because I'm going to pull one back on them. He goes, uh, this is John Wimber. Uh, is this Mike Beckle? And I went, <coughs> yes, sir. Uh, <coughs> he goes, I'm from Anaheim. I would like to talk to you for a minute. I'm going, oh, my goodness. And so he goes, would you? He says, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It wasn't one of my friends joking. Would you come? I got a staff retreat. We meet morning, afternoon, evening for three days, nine sessions. They each go about two or three hours. My whole staff of 100, we go out to the retreat place, nine sessions. He goes, uh, would you, the Holy Spirit told me, to give all nine sessions to you. I don't have nine sermons to give. No, I mean, I've got nine sermons, but I need like 20 hours in between each one to get ready for the next one. I, go, I went, yes. <laughs> nine sermons in a row, one of the most prominent leaders in the body of Christ. I went, I, I go, yes. And we hang, and I go, when? It's a Saturday night. He goes, oh, Tuesday, the, the, this week. So I hang the phone up, and I, I am like, not happy, actually. 
I'm more intimidated and afraid than happy. I goes, who's that? I go, a guy named John Wimmer. She goes, who's that? I go, this is a big, st- never mind. This, this could be a disaster. <laughs> so I go there for those three, four days. And me and John connect in such a dynamic way. It was, I mean, we were, I mean, like this almost deep friendship in three days. That's a little exaggerated to say it that way. But it was not, it was strange. And he leaves and he says, you know, the Lord has told me in these three days that uh, you and me are going to be close friends and we're going to travel together. And I'm thinking, again, he's at the type of his, uh, the prime of his ministry. I got a little church in Kansas City. I don't even know what he wants me to do for him. I don't even know what it would be. And so some time goes by, paragraph C. So January goes by, I come home and Mike, the team goes, what was it like? I go, it was incredible, but I don't know. I feel it was fun, but I'm a little unsettled as to how this was going to work. So I come home and February, I don't hear from him. February, March, April, May, June. Now it's June 5th. It's almost six months later. Bob Jones comes to me in a Sunday mornings out in the parking lot and he goes, hey, that Wimber guy. He goes, have you heard from him lately? I go, no, no, I'm sure it's fine. He goes, well, in October 87, I told you he'd call you January. He did exactly, right? Yeah, he goes, well, I'm telling you now, he's calling you this week. He's going to call you again. And he's going to open three wide doors to you. And you're to go through those three wide doors. And it's going to be a seminary, uh, a Holy Spirit seminary season. Uh, you know, a seminary season in the Holy Spirit. I go, what's that mean? He goes, well, I, I, I heard the audible voice of the Lord and, and an angel in the, in the dream. He said, tell him this is a warning, not a promise. Like, how could it possibly be a warning? I mean, John Wimber is this cool guy in this incredible ministry. How could it be a warning, not a promise? And Bob Jones says, well, the angel of the Lord told me that, uh, he's, has a, a million people on his platform across the world. And he's going to put you on this platform. And he says, but the problem is you don't know how to come in and go out before the people on a platform of a million people. I go, what does that mean? He goes, I don't even know what it means. I go, come in and go out before the Lord. And that's a phrase about King David and some others in the Bible, but I knew it because I'd studied the life of David. It shows up a couple times. It means, you know, carry your heart and relate to people in a right way. I go, why would that be so hard? It was incredibly hard in front of him. There's so many good, bad, and ugly swirls when there's a million people involved. There's enemies, there's friends, there's networkers, there's jealous, there's fighters, there's uh, so many dynamics. I'm not getting into that, but it said it will go for three years. Take notes because it will be a seminary uh, a Holy Spirit seminary season, and it's for this young adult movement many years from now. And there's a time it's going to begin. So then John, one of the three doors he opens, he asked me, I got it right here in paragraph D. He goes, hey, would you go to Scotland and England with me for a couple weeks? He goes, I'll, I'll pay for it all. I'll just take care of it. I just want to, I want to get a hotel room next to me and we're going to, I'm going to do all the sessions. He is. And he goes, and I'm going to have every meal with you. And I did morning, noon, and night, every meal we talked. I don't know how he talked with me for two, three hours and preached, then talked to me, but we went from morning, noon, and night. I mean, for like 14 days type thing or what, I don't know the number of days is like that two weeks ish. And we became dear friends in that. And I thought, this is amazing. He goes, I want you to travel around the world with me. I mean, 
long term, every meeting. I go, really? Why? Why do you want me to go with you? I don't have that much to say. And uh, he says, well, I, I want you to. The Lord told me to. We'll figure it out as we go. So I'm in Scotland, and I'm telling John Wimber these Bob Jones stories, the comet, the first day of spring, and blah, 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 you know, these, these signs of the heavens, things. He goes, this is so interesting. So he asked the question, hey, can I meet this Paul Kane guy or Bob Jones? Pick the one you want. And would there be some, like, sign in the heavens for me? <laughs> I don't know how this works. And Jack Deere, who's one of my dear friends, he's me and Jack are talking to Paul, and Jack's talking to John and Paul, and we're on the phone, you know, trying to, me and Jack trying to mediate, or whatever the word is. You know, I'm talking to John and Paul, and then Paul's talking to Jack and John. <laughs> and, you know, and because trying to figure out how this is going to go forward, because Jack Deere's calling John long distance, you know, at, at, in Scotland. And saying, uh, so Paul Kate says, yeah, paragraph E. This is cool, but I'm telling you paragraph E because it's very significant. That's why I'm telling you paragraph E. Paul goes, yeah. He goes, tell John, the day I arrive, there'll be a local earthquake. And the day I leave, there'll be an international earthquake. So John's question is, well, what day is Paul coming? And Paul's answer was, John, you pick the day. And John goes, I pick the day and an earthquake hits locally. And then I pick the day he leaves and an earthquake hits internationally. And Paul said, yeah. Wow. This must be a pretty important meeting we have coming up. So John picked December 3rd. And it's all written up. You can go read the details. So an earthquake hits Pasadena, which is right by Anaheim, and shakes it. Shakes Fuller Seminary, which John was a professor there for some years. And it shakes, and the, the whole place is shaken. So John calls me on the phone. You know, our trip to Scotland's over, and he's back at Anaheim. And, oh, yeah, Paul had a word for him. He says, here's the word, Jeremiah 33.8. Because there was different issues in the vineyard that needed to be repented of. I don't want to go into all that. And John, and the word of the Lord was Jeremiah 33, 8. The Lord is going to give you mercy and a whole new beginning. Jeremiah 33, 8. So Wimber loves that. He goes, hey, mercy. I love mercy. And then he goes, so now uh, he's, you know, he's gone home from Scotland. It's a week later. We've cut, overcome, you know, got over jet lag. And, and uh, we've been there for a couple of weeks in England and, and UK. And so he's at home and John calls me. He goes, you're not going to believe this. He goes, Paul K gets in my, in locally today. And he gave me the word Jeremiah 33.8 and the earthquake hit at 3.38 in the morning, exactly on the, on the number of the verse. He goes, what? I go, I don't know. And so on the day he leaves, December 7th, one of the most uh, des uh, destructive earthquakes hits Armenia and 50,000 people die. And that's international. And Paul said, here's what's going to happen. When compassion and worship come together with prophetic and intercession and they cross polity in the full way, it will cause an earthquake in the vineyard locally and it will cause an international controversy and earthquake across the nations and many things will shake and that's a prophetic sign. And we thought, wow, wow, until it happened. And I mean, there was so much controversy and strife and people and because the compassion, I didn't even know what it meant by compassion. And what John says, well, I'll tell you. Compassion means 
that way we care for the poor, the, the powerless, because the, the, it's more than just the poor economics, the powerless, but compassion, it was healing by compassion. Now, in the 80s, anyone that's my age, in, in your 60s, you would know this. In the 70s and 80s, everyone talked about healing, healing by faith. Almost, and that's very, very biblical, by the way. But if there's a hundred books on healing, there's a hundred books on healing by faith. That's how you get healing by faith. Wimber was the only guy I ever heard of, except for one sermon here or there, healing by compassion. I go, that's just, diff- that's just different. He goes, no, the Lord told me the healing ministry is by compassion and by faith too. We're not putting that down, but it's a connecting with the, at the heart level. I go, okay, we don't really, we kind of like go hard for faith. We don't think much heart connect. You know, we're just trying to get faith, you know. And Wimber was one of the first guys that said this all around the world. And it was in 1980s, this was radical. It makes more sense now, but I'd never heard anyone talk that way. All the healing books are healing by faith. And again, faith is still very important and that Jesus taught it as biblical, but nobody, every now and then somebody would say compassion for a minute. Then I go, what's this worship? And it, intimacy with God in worship. Because in the 70s and 80s, I started pastoring in the 70s, and in the 80s, all the charismatic non-denominational churches, mostly we just turned the music up, turned the amplifiers up, and shouted at the devil. You know, we're going to win. We got authority. We know who we are. We'd swing in the air. We'd beat the devil down. And, and if you didn't sweat and lose a vocal cord at the end of the worship service, you, it wasn't a real meeting. I'm exaggerating. We had fun, but everyone just did louder, harder, jump higher, scream harder, swing harder. Everybody was doing that all around the charismatic world worldwide, you know. And I went to the vineyard meetings. When I first went there, it blew my mind. It was this intimacy. I mean, an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. And the mellow, we love you, beauty. You love us. I went, I have never been in a worship service that did this for an hour. There's always that one song that's a little bit tender. And I'd go to these conferences, five and 10,000 people at them, or maybe five to 7,000 people. And for an hour of worship, they'd be weeping. I mean, whether it's Germany, whether it's South Africa, whether it's Melbourne, Australia, or New Zealand, we went to all these different nations, London, a lot of places. He would bring this new style of intimacy with God worship, first commandment, beauty of God, tenderness. They never had one song that you could do that with, you know. <laughs> I go, I've never seen this. I liked it. It was weird, but I did like it. And then the Lord began to talk to me in those days about first commandment, duty of God, etc., etc. I went, oh. And the Lord says, I want compassion for the powerless, Luke 4, 18. And I want intimacy and worship. Not only that, they only did that for years and years, to the best of my knowledge. There might have been a few exceptions, but very few. I want the prophetic and intercession to go through that grid. And it's going to fill the body of Christ, the young adult end time prayer and worship and church planning missions movement of young people. They're going to be touched by compassion they're going to be energized by intimacy with worship. They're going to move in words of knowledge of the prophetic. And they're going to be faithful in prayer. And he's going to put it all together. And our group here, the compassion and intimacy with worship, we kind of choked a few times. Like, <laughs> we didn't have any songs, hardly, that were like that. The Lord said, this is what I want. And this is going to fill the earth. And this, many other components, but these four need to be in place. And when this started being implemented, 
I mean, all over Europe, again, whether South Africa, Hong Kong, New Zealand, Singapore, wherever, wherever John Wimber went, he brought these. And I mean, some guys like the worship of compassion. They didn't like the prophetic and intercession. Others like the intercession and the worship, but not the prophetic and the compassion. It just created so much turbulence. It truly was an earthquake. Well, I, paragraph F, I'm just getting close to the end of this, real close to the end of it. I just looked up John Wimber today because last Friday, the riddle, the riddle that Chris gave us, he goes, when the prince shall pass, it shall be 418 at last. Does that mean anything to you? I go, it does to me. It means Luke 418. And it's the vineyard connection, but it's more than us and the vineyard. It's way beyond that. Because what the Lord spoke, the word is, I'm not going to go on and on about this, but October 5th, in a very dramatic way, he says, I'm raising up October 5th, 1990, an international family of affection. I'm going to take the top leaders of many different streams of the body of Christ. I'm going to take them out of this stream and drop them into that stream. And out of that stream and have them intermarry into this stream. And it will produce an international family of affection. That's what he told me. Whatever you do, make sure that who's ever with you, you help them go to the next place. Don't ever tell them no always help them go and so i i tremble before the lord and i said lord you know because i've had people over the years they go i'm gonna move to chicago and i go i just want to help you they go aren't you sad i go i'm afraid to be sad right now <laughs> yeah i'm sad but i've got to help you get there because the lord is going to mix and match streams and the vineyard was one cross-pollination with us and them and it wasn't an easy connection and many of the vineyard leaders connected with the kansas city we had lots of friends that were kind of you know coming through our way and a lot connected and a lot did not connected and the thing broke after number after about eight years it broke and the lord's saying well that was round one there's another round coming and friday it was when the prince will pass it's 418 at last and, and I think Chris is the one that said, like the Lord was sighing, at last, we're going to see it take these four components, not only these four, but these four at the core of it with the other ten things that go along with it. So I looked at Internet Today, and I just put Luke 418 Vineyard, because I know John preached on Luke 418. I'm positive. I heard him on it many times. And Bert Wagner, who was the, the main director over the... Uh, after John Wimber, for oh, near 15 years, a great man of God. I mean, a, a very deep man of God, and I really appreciated him. I just read today. He just wrote, he said, if I had to pick one scripture, I never knew this. Look at paragraph F. That defines who the vineyard is. It's Luke 4.18. I go, no way. Just today, because I put Wimber, Luke 4.18, just to see. I didn't think anything would show up. And he says, so the director of the vineyard, for those near 15 years, says, that would be the one verse that I would say defines us. And I go, Lord is so into this. So, now Sunday. Sunday, here we are. We're up here, and Chris Reed ends the service, all these different words of knowledge, etc. He says, Joshua 6, even though you don't know, might not know the reference, the walls of Jericho. We're going to shout at the walls, blow the trumpet, whatever. Joshua 6. So we do this thing. For five minutes. You know, he said 30 seconds. And we went for five minutes. How many of you were here when we did that? Okay. And, and then, I mean, it's like, yeah, I was like this. Like, boy, I don't know if I can do that one again. I kind of got carried away. It was kind of fun, though. But anyway, so we get a message that when we're doing this within the same hour, in the same hour, we're here doing this. Joshua 6, shouting for the breakthrough. 
Anaheim Vineyard, John Wimber's church, is preaching Joshua 6, and they're shouting for the breakthrough the same in the same period of time we are here. I go, I don't believe that. I need to see that. And man, we got it, we got the data. They're shouting in the same 12, 30 minute period, even say call it an hour just to be safe. The same hour period, we're shouting Joshua 6 for the breakthrough. The Anaheim Vineyard, they don't even know we're even anything talking about them or thinking about them. With Jeremy Riddle, the worship leader, phenomenal worship leader. Now Scott, the pastor, is a dynamic man of God. So, I'm going to try to do this in two minutes. I might go to four, but divine poetry. I want you to catch this. I'm going to do this rapid fire. Divine poetry. Now, I love to say this about the Lord. I say about the Lord, I say that uh, he's a king. He's an architect. He's a city builder, a nation builder. He's a scientist. He's a mathematician. He's a musician. But he's also a poet. Everything that he does, maybe not everything, but there's poetry in it. Now, we can't see the poetry when it's happening usually. Normally, looking back over, you go, oh, my goodness. He says, I'm a, I'm a musician and a scientist and a mathematician and a city builder. I am a poet, too. And so there's so much divine poetry and so much what the Lord does. Now, it's an imperfect science to try to figure it out, and some people overdo it. They try to find poetry and everything, and it's probably true. But they're trying, they're forcing it, and I've seen some people do some weird things based on that. And I have found mostly it's when you look back, the dates line up, the names line up. And the Lord says, I knew that blow your mind. I knew that you'd like that. And I go, Lord, you're an amazing poet. And so you can't build or plan your future based on poetry, but you could be wowed with gratitude when you recognize it. And I think that in the resurrection, we're going to look back over this life and find out thousands of times everything lined up. And we didn't even know it in this life. And in the age to come, I mean, we'll know it some. we just filled with wonder and gratitude. Like, Jesus, you're such a brilliant scientist. You're a nation builder. You're a poet. You're a musician. Who are you? This is amazing. And so I like to just catch little glimpses of poetry. Again, you can't build on, on it, but you could look back with wonder and gratitude and say, Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. And the people that get touched by it, it just creates the wonder. So, last Friday, April 9th, we find out the Azusa Street Revival, the famous revival that brought the move of the Spirit in America, started on April 9th. I go, well, that's interesting. April 9th is when Prince Philip shall pass. It will be Luke 4, 18 at last. And so, April 9th, we go, okay. April 9th, is, that's, a, that's a cool day. April 9th. Why April 9th? Because... Uh, you know, shouldn't we just wait till April 18th? It's only nine days from now. If we just hung in there, it'd be 418 again. But it's the end of our 40-day fast. And Jesus touched the anointing of the Spirit related to the 40-day fast. And and the revival there. And then one of the, the most uh, destructive earthquakes in America's history, it happens April 18th. Just right after the great revival breaks out there, that's a big story for another time. So now, my friend, paragraph B, I don't expect you to follow paragraph B very well, but I just want you to say, well, he said it. We didn't know what he's talking about, but I just wanted to say it. There's a guy named Ken Fish, and, and you guys will know him in the days to come. I'm at Rick Joyner's roundtable, you know, in February, a few, six weeks ago. 
And there's 30, 40 guys. And Ken Fish was, oh, he worked with John. He was his personal assistant for 11 years and wrote many of John's materials. A brilliant PhD theologian, great writer. But he moves strong in the word of knowledge and signs and wonders like John Wimber. And he's connected to the Wimber anointing all through the years. And, and he loves the compassion, worship, prophetic, the whole package. And so I go to Rick Joyner's and they got all the names, you know, Rick Joyner over here's Lance Wall now, and then this guy here, and this guy here, and this guy here, Mike Bickle, and then Ken Fish. Oh, Ken, I didn't know you came to this meeting, so we're right next to each other. He goes, well, for whatever reason, I'm here. I forgot what the reason was. And right across the table is this kid named Chris Reed, you know. We're all next to each other. And I go, man, I haven't seen you for a little. I mean, he's visited IHOP a few times, but... Uh, Real excellent preachers, moves in signs and wonders, words of knowledge. But he was faithful to the what God said about compassion and worship, you know, intercession and, and uh, a prophetic. I go, it's so good you're here. And so we talk. And in every break, me and him and Chris and Dean, we go over there and talk, you know, between every break. And so we just go from 8 in the morning to midnight. I mean, literally without a break because there's so much to cover. And so Friday night, last Friday night, we have... Uh, the meeting here, and we go home, nine o'clock, and and Ken and and Chris are, are good friends. So he he texts me, he goes, "Hey, how's it going with Chris?" I said, "What a crazy day! Nine a.m. this morning, the three-hour meeting. You know, the April 9th, when the print shall pass. So four eighteen at last, and all the words that came, and the words that came were so tender and beautiful to us because our friends are touched. But really, the message is." 418 at last has come, and the supernatural dimension confirmed that, although the lives being touched is is worthy in and of itself. I go, Ken, I can't even tell you what happened this morning and tonight. And so we talk on the phone for a little while, for about a half, 15, 20 minutes at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock last Friday night. I said, no, it was amazing. I mean, yes, the ministry was great, but there's a purpose unfolding. It's that Wimber thing. From back 30 years ago, that cross-pollinization. I said, and something really as intense is happening. So then the next morning, which is last Saturday, Dave Syker comes to me and he goes, Hey, you know that Ken Fish guy, that kind of Wimber type guy? Because he's been connected to Wimber for 40 years, you know, the movement, I mean, in various ways. And in agreement and celebrating it. He goes, I saw him on a show yesterday with Eric Metaxas. Now, some of you don't know Eric McTaxis, but he is an incredible guy. I love this guy. I, I watch his videos and stuff, and I go, Ken was on yesterday, April 9th, at Eric McTaxis' show. Eric McTaxis, you know, he's famous for the Bonhoeffer biography that sold a million copies. I mean, incredible writer. But he interacts with all these top, like, you know, stately type leaders, the high elite types. But he leads them to Jesus, and he loves Jesus. And so Dave says, Ken Fish was on Eric McTaxis' show yesterday. I go, really? I didn't even know they knew each other. So I watch it. And they're talking all about John Wimber. April 9th, we're here in our room here in Kansas City talking about Paul Kane and Luke 418 and his mother and the cross-pollinization of Wimber. And the guy that I connect with John Wimber in a really major way is now telling this big audience on TV about John Wimber on the same day. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And so I see Aaron McTaxis. I want to recommend you go check out his his uh, stuff and do with that what you want. But I look underneath it, you, you know, because on YouTube, that thing shows up underneath, you know, some options. 
And it says, Eric McTassis on Bonhoeffer. I've got his 600-page biography. It's this thick on Bonhoeffer. Sold a million copies. I mean, it's really excellent. Bonhoeffer is the martyr who stood for the Jews against Hitler. And I go, oh, that's interesting. So I clicked on it. And because I've read some Bonhoeffer stuff, and he's like a prototype of standing faithfully in the face of persecution for God's purpose for the Jewish people against Hitler. So I read this, and it finds out, oh, I popped down to D that paragraph D, Bonhoeffer, I, I, I actually see five of his one hour shows on Bonhoeffer. I'm like, get addicted to it for a day or two. I go, unbelievable. Bonhoeffer is a martyr on April 9th. It's the same day as all this is happening. I go, April 9th? Are you sure? And then the other book he wrote was the one on Martin Luther. And Martin Luther, most of you know <laughs> Martin Luther and uh, the stand he took in the Protestant Reformation. But there's this, he took this courageous stand at the Diet of Worms. Now, Worms is the name of the city. It's Worms. But if you're American, you go Worms, and then the Europeans laugh at you. And so it's the city of Worms, or Worms the city. And a diet is an imperial assembly where the emperor calls it. And so they were trying Hitler, I mean uh, Luther. He was on on trial for taking a stand for the word of God. And if, if Luther doesn't back down, he's going to get executed like the day after or the day after or the day after. It's the most significant day. I'm reading all these different uh, historians, and a number of them say this is probably the most significant day in church history after the book of Acts. When he took a fierce stand against the, all these things, and it happens on April 18th. It's 418th again. So I'm looking at Eric McTaxon's stuff. I go, he's got April 9th, and he's got April 18th. And these two guys that are critical, and then his third biography, Wilberforce. You know, I was like, what? I mean, I can't think of three lives that would inspire this young adult generation in this hour than those three guys right there. And that's, and him and Ken uh, Fish are like great friends. And I thought, how did this all happen? Anyway, I just been on this. Holy Spirit honeymoon, <laughs> and these dates and poetry. And again, I, I understand that I lost half of you about 20 minutes ago, and a couple of you said, how about 40 minutes ago? <laughs> okay, I understand. Because if I was hearing this, and I didn't know the times and the dates, and get them all mixed up, that's why I wanted to put them down here for you. I'm telling you, we something happened last Friday when the king will pass 418 at last. It's April 9th. It's a day where the most, one of the most uh, faithful martyrs who stood for the Jews against Hitler, that is his date. He is remembered. 418 is one of the most faithful witnesses, Martin Luther, at the risk of being killed if he doesn't back down. He does not back down, and he's just saved in a surprised way. One of, the, again, the most significant days in church history, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, I'm just saying, Lord, these are just a few thoughts in the last week, and <laughs> just putting this story together well amen and amen we're going to pray for the sick now for a few minutes we're going to pray for compassion i want you to stand up if you want to let's in across the room you don't have to you think no i'm comfortable i'll just stay seated wait dan where are you going okay okay i'll give you a minute okay i get it i'm that age <laughs> let's just wait on the lord wait uh, did one or two of you guys, Dave, do you guys want to say something about this week? You didn't? Okay, because earlier you said you might. Okay, good.
You, if you, some of you really want to get this, and you said, I couldn't get it the first time. I just go watch this a couple times and talk about it, and those dates will get really familiar because there's not so many, but the story is a little complicated. All, all the names and dates are new to you. But, Lord, here we are. We're standing in your presence. Lord, I just declare, as we shouted last Sunday, for the breakthrough. And as Anaheim Vineyard on the same morning and the same hour was shouting for the breakthrough. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit alliances. You know, people like Francis Chan and Andy Bird. Oh, just so many on and on. And, and, the, and the YWAM. We're connected to so many ministries around the world. And Lord, I ask you for that homecoming in the spirit. Of our own, our own people that are here and there. Lord, that you would cause a, a renewed heart. I ask that the broken heart, some that are feeling lonely left out, I ask you for a sovereign turning around of the broken heart. Here and there, Lord, I ask you. I ask you for the people that are thinking, I've got these promises for the prophetic, but it's been years and years and years. Well, Anna Cain, 45 years old, five term, four terminal diseases, 45 years old, five miscarriages, boom, it all changes in one night. You know, Chris has got this youth ministry going along, and then suddenly the Spirit starts touching him. Night after night, he doesn't know what's going on. It all changes. Bob Jones and Paul Kane told me many times, there's a young adult army raising up all around the earth. They're going to move in these dimensions way beyond what we are. I thought they were exaggerating, but it's true. So, Lord, I just prophesy over this congregation. Those that are joining us by the web stream, I just say it's a new day. I say Luke 4.18, at last, at last, Luke 4.18, at last. Lord, I thank you for those four things, compassion, worship, intercession, and prophetic. Marry them together in a billion young people across the earth. Lord, and only you know what that means. I don't know exactly what that means. Bring it all together. Like you said 30 years ago, well, that was 33 years ago where you put me with John Wimber. 33 years we've been waiting. 418 at last. So, Lord, we're saying we're leaning into the conversation. We don't fully get what's going to happen, but we know much more is going to become clear in the weeks and months ahead. We say yes. All over the room, you're just in, in your heart. You're saying yes. Yes, Lord, I'm in. I'm in. I want to understand Luke 4.18, but I want to look at it through the lens of the upper room discourse. I want to see it through that Trinitarian conversation. I want to be a part of that conversation. So, Father, I ask you right now in Jesus' name for healing. I ask you for compassion and healing. Luke 4.18 is about healing, bodies and hearts, but I'm asking for, heart, for bodies right now. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, you would release healing right now tonight. Over people's bodies. We're just waiting on you, Lord. It doesn't matter how loud you get. It doesn't matter who you are. It's the authority of the name of Jesus. Hey, Isaac, would you get him a microphone and bring it down for him? Dan, I want you to jump up here and help me. Let's get our piano guy. Okay, let's get our piano guy. Good, thank you, Andrew. More than a piano guy. <laughs> Lord, here we are. But I'm just asking right now for healing. Just wait on the Lord for a few minutes.
I used to watch Wimber with 5,000 people. He was waiting on the Lord sometimes three and four minutes. Nothing happening. All the pastors in the crowd are so nervous because it's gone three whole minutes. He goes, so what? He goes, I'm just the mailman. It's not my problem. He goes, let's just wait. Nothing happens. Let's go home. Something happens. Let's stay a little bit later. He was so supernaturally natural. His style was so just low key and supernaturally natural. I love that style. So much humility. So here we are, Lord. Benjamin, have you come up here and get another microphone? And if somebody gets words of knowledge, Benji, come on up here. Stand next to Dan over there. They give you the word of knowledge, and then you put a couple of them together, and then we'll call them out together. So you, if you get a word of knowledge, Benji, just put you over on the side so they can they don't have to come way out front. Yeah. Okay, if you, even if you get words of knowledge, Lord, give us words of knowledge right now for healings. It's people like us who do the stuff. There isn't any other kind of person but people like us. Isn't that right, Dad? We're just in this thing together. I'm right here on the front row that's holding the baby. This isn't really a word of knowledge for healing for your body. Joanna, wait, is it her? Yeah. But I see there's a lot of pressure on you. But what you don't know is there's like a, I see this like a big contract that's going to be coming that's going to blow your mind. And you've been laboring for God. You're a worship leader, right? There's, there's a big, like, there's something I see, like a contract coming that's going to blow your mind. And you're going to think, wow, why did I worry? And I see that on you. It's as clear as I see you. It's like God highlighted it. It's going to blow your mind. There's a man back here that has a back, a back issue. And it's like a pinched nerve Wait, or something. Is, that, is it heavy, you think? It's like, a, it's like a pinched nerve, and it's like kind of on the left side. Keep, all of you keep your head up. And if that's you, just come up here real fast. Any just, of you that he just described, come up here and say, I don't know if it's me. Well, maybe it is you, so come on up. Again, on, any of you here. in the room, but get a word of knowledge. Just an impression. Just come give it to Benji. And Benji, you could save them up and give three or four of them in a row. You're back. Come here. Come here. Just turn turn sideways. So, Lord, I pray right now. Let the pain leave right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It'll get better now. You'll feel better all the way. When you go back to your seat, you'll feel a lot better. You're back? Yeah. In Jesus' name. Lord, all of the room, we ask. Pinch, slur, pinch Anyone slur. in the room has got a back problem. Just raise your hand. Pain, anyone in the pain room. lead right now. Okay. In Jesus hand up high. The two or three folks around them, just lay your hands on them. I'll pray. You can pray too if you want. You can even just whisper a prayer. Let's make sure everyone's got a hand on them from somebody. The Holy Spirit does more when the church prays for the church. Again, it's hands like ours. He doesn't have anybody with his hands on him. Wave If someone's not, not there, please just move right in. Lord, I speak to backs right now. Lord, and I ask for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you said Luke 4, 18. 
You said Luke 4.18. You said you would heal those that are downtrodden, that their bodies are hurting. I ask for the fire of the Lord to come on them even right now, Lord. More. More of your presence, Lord. I ask you for more of your manifest presence. Some of you are feeling the fire of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord, He gives little tokens like that to kind of stir your faith up. Others of you, you don't have to feel that. But sometimes when you feel that, the Lord's saying, I'm letting you know that I'm, I'm listening to your heart right now. I'm talking to you. Our Lord, just increase the manifestation of your fire and your power. Do you got three, four words? Okay. And, or just give them to us yourself. Just How about you summarize them? Okay. We can't do that. So Josh, Josh, uh, while Mike was even teaching, I kept seeing a vision of your baby girl's heart. And I heard the Lord say, she will run her race. She is like secretariat. She will run her race. Amen. Here in this section right here, I just saw someone in... Their, the Lord put their hand on your left shoulder. He wants to heal like pain in the left shoulder blade here in this section. If there's anyone, I can pray for you. Is there someone, anybody right here? I'll go pray for her. I got right shoulder blade and then the left hip and pelvic area and lower back. Again, if that's you, any one of those, raise your hand up. We're going to pray all just kind of a, a big prayer across the room. Raise your hand up high. Remember, it, it the body of Christ cannot be spectators. You, if you're in the room and you got the spirit living in you, you're on the team. Okay, so you can't be in the room and be watching the football players down on the field. If you're born again and you're in the room and someone raises their hand, stay, you can walk. It's legal in the body of Christ to cross an aisle to go lay hands on someone. <laughs> That's completely legal to do that. In Jesus' name, Lord, you highlighted these. And we ask you in Jesus' name to raise healing to these specific areas. Because some of the simplest words, that's what unlocks somebody's faith and touches their heart. Lord, I ask you for healing in those specific areas right now in Jesus' name. Anything you get, just jump right in. Yes, so somebody's having problems breathing. I don't know if it's asthma. I don't know if it's emphysema, but you're having problem breathing. And God's going to open your lungs right now. If you'll come up here, I promise you, you'll feel so good and you'll breathe so good. Like he's going to open your lungs and you're going to breathe like you've never been able to breathe before. If that's you, come up quickly. Just real fast. I just want to touch your lungs. Open up. Just just stand here right in a row. Just take a breath. Maybe a few folks stand behind them just in case. Again, just don't wait to be called. Just jump right in there. Yeah. We're all active participants, yeah. Just come stand behind them. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit, let the fire of the Holy Spirit release.
just sing a worship song. Uh, just we love you, Jesus, a soft one. So we're just singing, and half of us in the room are praying. The other half, well, we love you, Jesus. I just love a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit where we're engaged with the Lord and with one another. And then when he starts talking or something, just bring it down a little bit and then go right back to it. Jesus. Jesus. All in the room, just Jesus. This is the atmosphere the Holy Spirit loves when Jesus is the center. favorite vineyard songs right here. I remember when they wrote this song. Totally remember this. are broken in various situations. I ask for the broken heart to be touched. Those on the web stream with a broken heart. They feel alone. They feel isolated. They feel left out. They feel hurt by someone they love. Lord, come by your Spirit's power. If you look around the room and the Lord's touching someone, just go with your hand on it and just say, Lord, more. Release more of your power. Release more of your presence. Again, I want you all kind of paying attention to what's going on around you. We're all in this together. You don't even have to pray out loud. You should put your hands on the Lord's Lord. If a verse comes to you, pray the verse over doesn't have to be prophetic. Just pray a verse over it if it comes to you. Half the time it will be prophetic. that just had to go home said that the Lord told her that the Lord is going to heal all problems with bladder. With bladder, okay. Go ahead, skip two or three in a row and then we'll pray for them. Um, so I'm thinking of John 4 where he pulls the women aside and I really feel like the Lord wants to heal the womb and menstrual cycles in the room. Okay. Knees. Knees. Right or left or don't, or you don't know. Uh, Doesn't matter. Both. Knees. Right eye. Um, from an accident, migraines, specifically the right eye. Specifically the right eye. I feel like the Father wants to heal people who've been hurt by divorce, husbands, wives, and children. Yeah, that's very painful, yes. Anybody that has any of those things and you want prayer, raise your hand up. And 
you. You don't even have to say it to the person who comes up to you. Raise your hand up high. Again, we're all the sanctuary of the Spirit. Look around. Some of you need just to get out of your aisle just to go walk 10 paces to get used to it. Just get out of your, don't be frozen on that seat. Just move around the room. And I'm saying that to give you permission because you're thinking, I don't want to be proud. I don't want to be presumptuous. Just step out and just walk around the room. Just anyone with their eyes closed, lay your hand on their shoulder. Pray for them. Your name is like honey on my lips. Your spirit's like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Jesus, I love Lord, heal those situations. Heal those broken hearts. Heal those issues in the body that were identified. terrible abdominal pain. I don't know if it's cramps. I don't know if it's your intestines, but you have abdominal pain. God's going to take it away right now if you come up here. Is that you? It could be several of you. If you've got that, come right on up here. Yeah. Let's keep back right back to the worship. Perfect. I love you. I love you. Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, I ask you to impart a spirit of grace for dreams tonight. I ask for an increase of the prophetic Jesus, revelation. The people will have dreams tonight, or if they're in the night watch, they'll have them tomorrow, one morning when they go to bed. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love your name. Your name is for the spirit of grace on the vineyard ministry. I pray for all the vineyard pastors in America, and Europe, and across the earth. They're in 95 nations, actually. Lord, I pray for a, a spirit of favor and grace on the vineyard at a whole other level. I ask for a wave of your spirit. Jesus, 
Switzerland and, and Germany. Pray for the Mumfords in England and all the different leaders. All the downline. David Roos in Canada. Lord, release the spirit of grace on the vineyard all around the earth. Ask him to touch David Parker. Release the spirit of power on him. Jesus, I love you. Heal his body. Touch him powerfully. Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Lord, release grace on every vineyard pastor, on their spouse, on their children. Jesus, I love you, I love you. A new measure, a new breakthrough, a new power, a new beginning for many, a new commissioning, a new day, a breakthrough for their children. So who's breathing now? Who can breathe better? Your lungs are healed. Your lungs opened up. I, I want to hear. I want to hear the testimonies. Who's breathing good? Have your lungs opened up? Amen. Who else? Who else? Do we pray for breathing? Is it opened up? Can you breathe good? It's like it opened up. Amen. Who else? Your lungs opened up. Who else? You, they, they opened up. You can breathe good, right? Who else? You can breathe good. Yes, this lady here. Amen. Now, who had stomach abdominal pain and the pain left? Who had your pain left your abdomen, right? Who else? Who else had abdominal pain and the pain left your abdomen? Now, this is very, very, this is very important what I'm going to share. Now, listen to this. Very important, you guys. Some of you have held on for years and years and years and years, and you've been prayed for a thousand times. And you're weary in receiving prayer. I want to, I want to, I want to ask you to dare to step and press through. Mike gave a word earlier this year when he first came back from his vacation. That if he were to give this family one verse to meditate on, it would be Philippians 3.14. We've got to press on and press in to faith and not past experience, but the possibility of what Christ can do if we press in. If you need a miracle and you've been holding on for years and you say, what's the use? I've been prayed for hundreds of times. I want you to press through tonight and believe tonight would be your night. Amen? Come on, somebody. You've been waiting for years. God wants to resurrect hope. God wants to resurrect faith. And so if you need a miracle that you've been holding on to, faith, but your faith is weak tonight, just press in. Just press into God's possibility. And I want to join with your faith and pray. I think God's going to do 
numerous miracles tonight if you'll just press through one more time. Amen? If you need a miracle and you're weary and tired but you want to press through, I want you to come up here. I want you to come up here. And we're going to believe for the supernatural breakthrough in your life. Amen? See what happens is we just naturally get lethargic and we go, oh, who cares? I don't know. Pressing on means we lay that that mindset down. That's what it means to press in right now. We lay aside the, oh, I don't think nothing's going to happen. Let's lay that down for tonight. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. Others of you, go ahead and come on up and help in the prayer line. Come on up here and pray up here. I love you. This isn't just about Dan. Come on up and somebody can be prayed for five times. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Someone prays for you and you still want Dan to pray for you. Stay there. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. Jesus, I love you. word that God was going to heal some tingling in the nerves. Tingling in the nerves? Yeah, hands, feet, just the nerves. And also my, my brother has one here. Yeah, I believe there's an anointing for people that even aren't here in the building. If the Lord's putting someone on your heart to pray for them uh, for their breakthrough, that they could receive that tonight, even if they're not here. Good. If there's someone on your heart in a real specific way tonight, just take a few minutes to pray for them, for they'll have a breakthrough in their life. again for the prophetic spirit that tonight will be a night where people have a breakthrough even in dreams and visions in the night release the spirit of grace on people that have never had a spiritual dream surprise them tonight or this week later this week in Jesus name your name is like a 